Our second panelist is uh, Shanta Devarajan. Shanta is the Acting Chief Economist and Senior Director for Development Economics at the World Bank. Uh, Shanta, we look forward to your remarks. Thank you very much, uh, Rajul and Sh uh, Schengen, for inviting me. And it was a pleasure to read this report. Uh, and I, I want to pick up on three themes, which I think are spot on, uh, that the report emphasizes. One is trade, which uh, Schengen already uh, remarked on. Uh, the second is climate change. And the third is policy, more generally. And I'm going to uh, ha have some, something to add to what uh, Catherine just mentioned. Now, on trade, because th that's something that we're worrying about quite a bit at the World Bank as well, this anti-globalization sentiment, uh, it's important uh, to recognize that back in, in tw 2017, for the calendar year 2017, uh, despite lots of rhetoric, lots of anti-globalization uh, rhetoric, both on both sides of the Atlantic, shall we say, um, uh, there has not been an increase in protectionism. So when we, we look at average tariff rates, they've stayed more or less the same. Now that's 2017, and we don't know what's coming in, in 2018, but it's important to keep in mind that there may be a lot more rhetoric than actual uh, results uh, on, on the ground. And indeed, I, I, my colleagues looked into, uh, I mean, I'm sure the, the research at uh, IFRI is much more authoritative than this, but if you look at just, uh, if you look at animal products and um, trade in animals, animal products and foodstuffs, uh, that also, the average tariff rates have actually been declining and they've uh, fallen by about half, uh, although they still remain higher than the average for, for, for other products. Now, that said, the effects of the US pulling out of uh, the TPP uh, if there is a renegotiation of NAFTA, that could have significant effects. And of course, the, the most important effect might be the, uh, uh, the steel and aluminum tariffs that, uh, uh, that again, Schengen uh, referred to by, by the US. Now, our analysis shows that if it's just restricted to steel and aluminum tariffs, uh, the effects on uh, other countries, particularly developing countries, is going to be quite mild. Uh, because they're not major, uh, they're not going to be affected much by, they're not major exporters of uh, steel and aluminum. That said, I think what's really important and what's really significant is going to be what kind of reaction the steel and aluminum tariffs elicit from other players. Uh, and there are two kinds. One is that might actually elicit even higher tariffs on aluminum and steel consuming industries in the US, particularly the auto industry, because they're going to be the most affected by the, the loss of uh, competitiveness. Uh, and the second is the retaliation that, again, some people uh, referred to. And the retaliation that if, and, and we've done a calculation, which is suppose countries retaliate up to the maximum allowed by the WTO rules. So they stay within the WTO guidelines and retaliate up to the maximum that could lead to a decline in global trade by 10%. That's as large as global trade decline during the Great Recession. So this is potentially a huge, uh, a, a huge problem. Now, I don't, you know, again, there are lots of uncertainties around here. Uh, uh, the U.S. itself is already backtracking a bit on whether Canada and Mexico will be exempt and talking to the Europeans and, and so on. So it might be that this uh, aluminum and steel tariff would be mild. But uh, let me say that I think the bigger problem is the effect of policy uncertainty. Uh, Schengen referred to the 
the, that, the role of investment. Well, investment is critically dependent on policy certainty. And in, an increase in policy uncertainty, just the rhetoric going up, can actually undermine investment. And then we could see that this turnaround in global investment that we're observing now could actually turn the other way. And we've seen an increase in policy uncertainty on various indicators in the recent past. Then let me, let me turn to climate change, because I, uh, and, and the report uh, correctly documents the, the problems created by uh, climate change, particularly for rural populations, and particularly the migration and other, uh, other aspects. But I'm having a little bit of a revisionist view on, on, on climate change. Uh, revisionist for an economist, this is not. <laughs> uh, uh, so let me try it, uh, try it out on you. My colleagues, some of my colleagues tell me not to mention it. But I, 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 I will. You know, the thing is that from a standard economic point of view, climate change is your classic, global climate change is your classic global public good. Because it is an externality. And so therefore, you need public action to, to address it. And since it's a global externality, you need global coordination of that public action. Now, it, what we, we haven't had that. Uh, the, we don't have a global carbon tax. We haven't even been able to get national carbon taxes in any, any significant uh, way. So really, you know, this is the, from a purely public finance or public economics point of view, we have not uh, made major progress on, on mitigating climate change. The interesting thing is in the absence of all of this, the private sector seems to be responding. If you look at what's happening with solar, uh, the cost of solar power, they're plummeting by private sector investments, some of it through subsidies, and that's, uh, that's like a carbon tax on its own way. And then the, you know, companies like Exxon, the shareholders of Exxon are demanding that Exxon actually move into renewables, um, despite the, the absence of a, of a global carbon tax. Um, and what's going on here, I think, is that the, these companies are, are trying to mitigate the risk of a possible carbon tax in the future. If you think there might be a carbon tax, even if it's a 0.2 probability that there's a carbon tax in the future, you better start doing the investments now. And that itself is then creating a shift towards renewables. This doesn't mean that we're out of the woods. I mean, it doesn't mean that, that the private sector will just take care of it, but it does mean that we may, uh, we, we may need to think about uh, uh, the, that the magnitude of the carbon tax we need might be somewhat less as long as the private sector responds to the threat of a carbon tax in the future. Uh, and we may need to keep, keep that rhetoric about the global carbon tax going as one way of actually getting a response uh, from the private sector. If I have one minute, I want to just mention one thing about policy because um, uh, Catherine uh, talked about the global governance chapter, which, and uh, it's the right, uh, the right focus in this global food policy report. But I felt like the other thing I see from my perch at the World Bank is, are the, the problems with national policies uh, in developing countries. So it's not just the ag agricultural subsidies by the developed countries, but some of the, some of the policies. And th that's also a real problem. I mean, you look at fertilizer subsidies. Uh, I was just looking at fertilizer subsidies in India. You know, fertilizer subsidies in India are about 0.8% of GDP. Um, and they, they're very regressive. They go to large, large farmers. And they are actually destroying various aspects of the environment, um, including the water, the fish, 
uh, and, and health, uh, in, in fact. So we're subsidizing something that really should be taxed. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a public bad or a negative externality. Um, now, the problem is, and it's a governance problem, you've got two lobbies at least. You've got the fertilizer producers and these large farmers who are able to suppress, who are able to resist the reforms. What can we do? And that's where I want to end by coming to, I think, this beautiful piece in the, in the report about big data. Because I think we have to be getting this data out to the general public, not just to the cognoscenti sitting in uh, uh, conference rooms in Washington, <laughs> uh, but uh, to, to the public who can vote um, and inform them of the damage that these subsidies are doing so that when there is an attempt to reform subsidies, it doesn't seem like something is taken away from them. On the contrary, something is being given to them. Shanta, as provocative as I had hoped and expected, and you've raised a number of key issues which I hope we will pick up on as we come back, the effect of policy uncertainties and trade, um, the revisionist view of climate change, which I hope will generate some dialogue, uh, and uh, the issues of governance coming in at the national level and big data. I want to mention that we have several authors of the chapters with us here today, and I hope that they will come in during the uh, uh, discussion also. I see David Laborde there on trade issues. I see Indira uh, uh, over here also on big data, and there may be others also online who will come in.